right, here we go. We are absolutely packed today on a Monday after a busy weekend. This is Guido's Gridiron Blitz on the Landry Football Podcast Network. I'm Mike Guido here with you. It is great to have you with us. A busy, busy weekend. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, Spent a lot of time with your family. Hopefully you got stuffed uh, just like I did. Got back from upstate last uh, last night, back here today. No show on Friday. We're going to try and make it up today here on this Monday. Again, it's great to have you in on the Landry Football Podcast Network. Guido's Gridiron Blitz. I'm Mike Guido here with you. Uh, I do, however, before we start, I do want to remind you that Guido's Gridiron Blitz is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States. What we've done is we've teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. So here's what you do. You go to our website, LandryFootball.com. That is LandryFootball.com. You click on the ad that's located in the upper right side of the page. You'll see it. It's right in the upper right side. You pick among the gaming sites that are legal in your state. Okay, they're not all legal everywhere. So you pick among those gaming sites, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, those gaming sites. You sign up, and then you instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. Okay, let me repeat that. $100 to $1,000 in an account deposit match or a risk-free bet. That's a big deal. Got to take advantage of it while it still exists. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com. That is LandryFootball.com. You click on the ad that's located in the upper right side of the page. You'll see it. It's right there. And then you get in on the action with a special offer from American Betting Experts. That is American Betting Experts. Uh, Okay. Plenty of stuff to hit on today. I do want to begin with this. We'll discuss Monday Night Football a little bit later. Uh, possibly, we have no idea if it'll be Tuesday Night Football between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens. That was supposed to happen on Thanksgiving. The the Thursday night game. Uh, Thursday day, uh, Thursday night game on Thanksgiving. There we go. I finally got there. Um, we'll discuss that a little bit later as well. So, uh, let us begin with this. So I've been saying for a while now that uh, we need to manage our expectations on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think clearly the game yesterday was Chiefs and Tampa in Tampa. That was the game yesterday. The game to watch, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. Uh, What most people thought was going to be the Super Bowl matchup, right? Kansas City and Tampa Bay. They're just going to outscore everyone. Two high-powered offenses. And what we got yesterday was control through four quarters from the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs had that game from the beginning. Tampa Bay couldn't get anything rolling until the fourth quarter when they were down big and they couldn't come all the way back. That's, uh, listen, I got news for you. That's what Tampa Bay is. They're great when they get out to a lead, but if they have to play catch up, it's tough. It's tough. Tom Brady yesterday was 
pretty good. But that's it. Pretty good. 27 of 41, 345 yards for three touchdowns. He had two interceptions. Listen, this is a this is a team that is becoming a little bit reliant on Tom, and the way Tom plays really determines how well they play. So I just want to give you an idea. I want to pull up this uh, thing that a buddy of mine sent to me yesterday, and it's very, very interesting the way it was put because I think it perfectly describes exactly what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season has looked like. Okay, in week one, they got outplayed by Drew Brees. They played the Saints. Okay, in week two, Leonard Fournette averaged almost eight yards a carry, scored two touchdowns, and his defense gave up 17 points. That was at home against Carolina. Week three, uh, that was Jeff Driscoll against the Denver Broncos in Denver. That should have been a win. Uh, Week four, Tom Brady played well, threw five touchdowns, 369 yards. (laughs) That was home against the Chargers. He played very, very well. But then again, the Chargers are also three and eight. <laughs> um, week five, Thursday night football against the Chicago Bears in Chicago. They lose to Chicago with Nick Foles at quarterback. One of the very few wins that the Chicago Bears got with Nick Foles at quarterback so far this year. Got to keep in mind, the first three weeks of the season, when Chicago went 3-0, and Mitch Trubisky was starting at quarterback. So Nick Foles has genuinely made the Bears worse, and they were able to beat the Buccaneers at home. In week six, they were home against Green Bay. They beat Green Bay 38-10. to Oh, Tom played great. Oh, wait. Remember, Tom Brady threw for 165 yards. That was it. 165 yards for Tom Brady. Okay, week eight. I'm sorry, week uh, week seven. That was the Raider. Uh, that was the Raiders. That was their probably their most impressive game of the year. 369 yards and four touchdowns for Tom Brady. It was at Las Vegas, but we do realize that Las Vegas has one of the worst secondaries in the entire NFL. They're a bottom five secondary statistically in the league. Week eight at the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. They just barely squeak by Daniel Jones and the Giants. And this is another caveat to this. The win against the Giants, 25-23 was the final score against the Giants for Tampa. It was their only win on national TV. Their only win on national TV this year. Week 9, they're at new uh they're at home against New Orleans. They lose by five touchdowns (laughs) to New Orleans, 38-3, to to a division rival. Their their other division rival that is potentially a Super Bowl team. And New Orleans is definitely a Super Bowl team, by the way. Week 10, they go at Carolina. That was another game where Brady played well. 341 for three touchdowns. Again. At Carolina, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Week 11, coming off a good performance. Third primetime game in th- in four weeks. A huge game for playoff positioning. They're home against the LA Rams. 
Brady throws two interceptions, barely over 200 yards. 54% completion percentage that game. And then last week, we get Kansas City. Went three and out in the first four drives. And his team was out of the game in the first 10 minutes. Therefore, the Buccaneers are 7-5. and five. They head into the bye next week in week 13. That's the Buccaneers' season. And that, that's the totality of it. I gave you their entire schedule. That's the reason for their wins. We understand what we thought that Tampa Bay was going to be at the beginning of the season. Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions. All Brady had to do was not do that. He's loaded with all these weapons. I've said it over and over and over again. We had all of these expectations on Tampa Bay, and they have just fallen flat. It's very simple. Very, very simple to me that the Super Bowl favorite, the potential Super Bowl favorite, the preseason Super Bowl favorite in the NFC, Tom Brady, all these weapons, they are 7-5 and five heading into week 13 thereby. Guys, I don't know what to tell you. But this is exactly what they should have been. All of the lofty expectations at the beginning of the year were exactly that. Lofty. <laughs> Look, the, when you have a quarterback that can't operate the offense, this is something that I heard. I heard something earlier today, and it's amazing to me that people think this way. It really does. Because they they will make excuses, uh, uh, any excuse for him, for Tom Brady. It's unbelievable. Bruce Arians could be gone next year. The Buccaneers. This is what I heard. Now, this is not an actual report, but it's an opinion from somebody. The Buccaneers could fire Bruce Arians before next year. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. That's crazy. It's crazy. Think Bruce Arians is the issue? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. This guy leads high-powered offenses. Bruce Arians can Definitely coach in this league. He's had a marvelous NFL career. He's worked with Hall of Fame level players. Please do not tell me that because Tom Brady can't throw a deep ball, they got to move on from Bruce Arians. <laughs> My God. That's like saying, you know what? Practice is too hard in New England. So we're going to fire Bill Belichick. Give me a breath. Have Bruce Arians adjust the offense for one year, right? Or I guess for a year and a half, because the rest of the season and the next year for the rest of Tom Brady's contract, he's signed until next year. Have him change it for one year and then move on from Tom. We are... 
the Buccaneers are getting a clear picture, clear as day, absolutely clear that Tom Brady is is exactly what his critics said he was, and exactly what his fan base, okay, his hype men, he ain't that. Nope. Tom Brady has limitations. It's time to wake up and realize that. I t- Listen, this is not me telling you that Tom Brady's having a bad season. He's not. Brady could still play a little, but there's some inconsistency. There's a little bit less discipline. He's a little bit more turnover prone. Makes some bad decisions on at certain points. Listen, I, I heard this before, too. It's really hard to ask a 42-year-old guy who's had as much success as he's had to change. Exactly. Exactly. That is, A, why I thought he never should have left New England. And, B, why he was never going to be a good fit in Tampa Bay. It was a sexy fit. It was something that made you look and, whoa, she's really hot. But then you find out she's really, really crazy after you take her on three dates. That's what Tampa Bay is. There are plus sides to Tampa Bay. Their defense is good. They've got crazy good weapons. Their offensive line's good. They're well coached. They're good. The The Buccaneers are good. But the truth is, is that they're two games over 500. Oh, actually, one game over 500. They're seven and five. It's exactly what I thought they were going to be heading into today. They are seven and five. They are not competing with teams like Kansas City. They're not. So, again, another example of why we need to manage our expectations on the Bucks. Very easy. Okay. Uh, let us shift to last night, the Sunday night football. The Green Bay Packers beat the Chicago Bears uh, 41 to 25 in Green Bay. Chicago's not any good. Look, they, they got off to a really great start. Uh, what did they start out? They started out five and one. The bucket <laughs> look, the Bears started out five and one, and they've lost five straight games. They are not a competitive football team this year. And I think most people agreed that they were a fluke, that the Bears were a fluke, but we'll discuss the Bears in a second. Uh Green Bay, something that I've noticed, and you know, a lot of the time when I talk about the Packers, I usually talk about how Aaron Rodgers needs more weapons, right? He, I love Devontae Adams. He's fantastic. Aaron Jones in the backfield is, is a solid running back. But listen, if those guys are getting double teamed or, or or they're just not having a great day, Aaron Rodgers has nowhere to go with the football. He's got to work really, really hard to get guys open because there's not a lot of natural talent left on offense. There's a big difference between guys that can play and guys that have natural talent. Okay, Alan Lazard can play. 
Marcus Valdez Scantling can play. But they are, I would say, average to below average wide receivers in the NFL if they had any other quarterback throwing them the football. Aaron has to work really hard to make them look good. And it's fooling the front office of Green Bay. That's usually what I talk about. They need to provide Aaron with more, especially as he gets older. But it really isn't about that now. Uh, Here's a fun fact about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, in his career, is below 500. He has a below 500 record when trailing after the first half. He's below 500. This is a first ballot Hall of Famer. This is, in most people's eyes, the most talented quarterback they have ever seen in their life. He's below 500 when trailing after the first half. Look, that's bad. And what last night showed me, again, is it follows the trend of what the Packers need to do in order to win football games. They need to get out to a very early lead. They need to step on your throat and not let go for the rest of the game. If they get a lead, the Packers are hard to beat. If you can get a stop on the first couple of possessions for the Packers, then you're going to have a pretty easy time. You know, something that Aaron Rodgers has, and, you know, I talked about this earlier. Social media is growing, and there's way more games on television now. The broadcasting is more in-depth. You know, you're getting bigger, more analytical voices in media, and all of the tape and replay and everything like that. You can get close-up camera angles. All of that is getting clearer and better by the day. We can analyze these athletes better than we ever have before. So we're noticing now the weaknesses that maybe we haven't noticed about certain players in the past. One thing that we can draw to a conclusion about Aaron Rodgers is that he is extremely passive-aggressive. He is somebody that if things don't necessarily go the way at uh, that they're planned, Aaron tends to give up. He tends to give up. It's very, uh, screw this. After the first half, he's down by two touchdowns. Aaron is more than capable of making comebacks in games. Have you ever, of course you have. Of course you have watched him play. Of course, you have seen the things that he can do. Of course, you have seen the throws that he can make. Aaron is as, and look, maybe Patrick Mahomes would have to say something about this, but Aaron Rodgers is the most talented, purely physically talented quarterback that anybody has ever seen. His mobility, his accuracy, okay, his arm strength, his quick release, the way that he reads defense. Aaron Rodgers is naturally brilliant. Naturally brilliant. And something tells me that, and I'm not saying that he didn't work hard, but Aaron Rodgers in my probably did not have to work as hard as some of these other guys who aren't as naturally gifted. That's just 
a fact of the matter about life, anything. Okay, music, politics, school, okay, sports, anything. Some people are just born gifted. And they have to, they still got to work. They still got to work to get great. They're born with the gift. They're not given the gift. They still have to work for it. But they don't have to work as hard to get to their peak. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is naturally gifted. So, for somebody that's had as much early success, as much early praise as he's gotten, is it kind of is it hard to understand to see if he's a little maybe I'm not using the word right, but spoiled? Things don't necessarily go his way. There's a reason that Aaron doesn't come back in games. It's not talent. Okay, just use process of elimination. That's it. Okay, we learned this in grade school. Process of elimination. You're given a list of reasons, and you say, okay, well, it can't be this. It can't be this. It can't be this. It can't be this. So even if you don't know that it's that, it looks like there's a high possibility that it's this because it's the only one left. It's the only plausible option left. Okay, you got two choices here with Aaron. Why doesn't he come back in games? Is it because he's not talented enough? No. He's the most talented quarterback ever. Is it because he's not all the way in here? In between, you know, the temples. Is he is he not mentally tough enough? Does he give up? Does he just quit halfway into the game? Possibly. There's no doubt that Aaron has a ton of talent. But the Packers won the game yesterday against a pretty good Bears defense. Because early on in the game, they took control. And I know that this applies to a bunch of teams. But it seems to apply overwhelmingly to the Packers. Because in particular... Among all of the playoff teams, right? We've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers come back in games. We've seen Seattle come back in games. We've seen some of these really good teams, Kansas City, come back in games. Okay, the teams that are... Look, the Packers, their record right now is really good. They're 8-3. Okay, my guess is that they're going to get a top two seed in the NFC. They're going to get a top two seed. So... Among the conversation of Super Bowl realistic teams, the Packers are, without a doubt, horrific comparatively to everybody else at coming back and making these uh, making comebacks. This, that's the thing. Aaron has more than enough talent to make big plays. But the overwhelming majority of the time for the Packers, they have to win by a big margin, and they got to get out to a big lead. Two-touchdown lead, the Packers are set. They're set. But if they get down to a two-touchdown deficit, you might as well write them off now. How is that going to fare in the playoffs? You think they're going to get out to two touchdown leads every game in the playoffs? What do you think it's going to be neck and neck every single game? They might even get that. Look, they might even get down in a couple of games. 
in the playoffs. So, look, I, I think I know I'm I'm very critical of a lot of these teams, um, but Green Bay to me, despite their lack of weapons outside of Devontae Adams, they got to get out to to an early lead, which is why you know. But I I, I want to bring this up too because I think this is part of it too. You know the importance of offense in the NFL is so big, right? <laughs> it's it has never been more important than now. Every single one of these really good teams in the NFL can put up points in large numbers. Okay, there, there isn't a 2000 Baltimore Ravens. There isn't an 85 Bears in today's NFL. Nobody's defense is that good to get them to a place on their own. Nobody's shutting anybody out. Nobody. Like, like, okay, they're all scoring massive amounts of points. It is so important. You could make the argument today that it's the most important for the Packers to have a high-powered offense. Because if they don't have a high-powered offense and they don't get out to early leads, they're more prone to losing games because of Aaron's personality, because that's who he is. And that's what he's shown to be over the course of his career. Under 500 when trailing after the first half. He's under 500. So they might have to, again, it, <laughs> seriously, the next few years while he's still got Aaron, beef up this offense so that he can get out to early leads. You don't have to worry about your defense so much, getting stops. You don't have to worry about Aaron coming back. Get, make it so that you don't have to come back. Because keep that in mind. Aaron is unbelievable when you have a lead. So make sure that you always have a lead. Do the things that you're good at. I, I always say that. Capitalize on the things that you're good at. And you will have success. And that's what the Packers should do. Stop pretending to be somebody else. Do what you're good at. Um. Okay, so I want to get into this uh, really quick about the uh, the other side of this, by the way. Um, so the Chicago Bears, they were on the losing side of last night's game, um, and, and they've really kind of fallen apart, haven't they? They really have. Uh, this is not – the Bears are not a great football team. They really are not. Um, and I said this from the beginning. I never thought that they were going to be any good. I, I, su I was surprised – at how good they were early on in the season. Because, look, when you don't have a quarterback, <laughs> it's really hard to be good in this league when your quarterback isn't good. It doesn't matter who your coach is. doesn't matter how good your defense is. Doesn't it doesn't matter. In today's NFL, you got to have somebody that can sling it, at least a little bit. And the Bears don't have it. The Bears are in one of the worst quarterback situations in the entire NFL because they're, they still are capable of winning some games. They're not going to have a top five draft pick. But they're also not good enough to be a legitimate playoff team or a Super Bowl contender. They're working with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Nick Foles, who outside of Philadelphia is a dud and didn't work in Jacksonville, couldn't make it work in Jacksonville. Jacksonville dumped him. And 
Mitch Trubisky, who, quite frankly, I like the guy, but he's a bust. Trubisky's a bust. They don't have a quarterback. So a lot of talk now about the Bears is the future of their coach, Matt Nagy, and their GM. Right? Do do they need Ryan Pace, right? Do they need to get rid of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace? Because it's time to move on. Okay? The Jaguars just fired their GM, Dave Caldwell. He's gone. Goodbye. Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, the coach and GM of the Detroit Lions, just got fired. The Texans fired their head coach, Bill O'Brien, not too long ago. Dan Quinn, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, was fired. So, people are saying, well, the Bears, they've lost five straight. It's getting really ugly. They don't have a quarterback. Is it time to move on? And Matt Nagy called out the Bears, called out the personnel, called out the players after the game last night, said, quote, have some personal pride. Have a freaking sense of urgency. Yesterday was flat out embarrassing. He said, you better have some stinking fire. Enough is enough. You know, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. You know, off the table. Firing Matt Nagy is off the table. It's not. It's not on the table. So the reason I say that it's not on the table is because as a coach, having a guy that understands how to establish culture and a sense of direction, that is so, so crucial. And Matt Nagy gets it. When coaches say, look, I like, you know, I'll say it like this. I like it when coaches take personal responsibility. I do. It shows humility. It shows, like, listen, not everything can be the player's fault. I, I like the fact that there is some personal accountability for some of these coaches. I really do. But sometimes you have to be truthful. Sometimes you have to look, Matt Nagy is perfectly aware that his offensive personnel sucks. The Bears offensive personnel is bad. They're not winning games in today's offense first NFL with that roster on that side of the football. They have a good defense. They do. D-line, secondary, linebackers. The Bears' defense has it figured out. That's a playoff defense. But they can't score points. They can't move the football effectively. They don't have the quarterback. They're very average at running back. They don't have great wide receivers. Their offensive line is meh. The only thing that I think that the Bears have going for them is Matt Nagy as an offensive mind. I think Matt Nagy's a really good offensive mind, good offensive play caller. That is all they've got. That's it. And I think that he's good at establishing culture. So I like that sometimes he says to the media, he says to people, 
That game wasn't on me. Our players played with no heart. They played with no heart. Put like light the fire under your rear. Can you get something going, please? I like that. I like the fact that he's doing that. Because coaches take the brunt of the blame, quite frankly, too much. They do. There are times when I watch football games and they're saying, listen, it starts with me. I didn't do a good enough job. You know, we didn't go in as prepared as I wish they would have. Like, coach, I watched all 60 minutes. Okay? I watched all four quarters. That game wasn't your fault. The game plan was fine. The players dogged it. You know, sometimes you have to hold your players accountable, even in front of the media, and even if it makes the players mad at you. Because guess what? Tough, that's life. Sometimes you get embarrassed, and sometimes you have to learn from the embarrassment. The Chicago Bears not only don't play with any fire, but they don't have enough talent. The Bears need a quarterback. The Bears need wide receivers. The Bears need offensive line help. They need all of that stuff on the offensive side of the football. They've invested so many resources into their defense. It is time to address the other side of the football. And it is not Matt Nagy's fault. It's not. They whiffed on a quarterback. That that changed everything for the Bears. They whiffed on Mitch Trubisky. It happens in the NFL. You don't hit on everything that you do. You don't hit on every draft pick you make. You don't hit on every free agent that you sign. You don't hit on every coach that you sign. Uh, But I think the Bears did this time. I like Mac Nagy a lot, and I think his offensive play calling is brilliant. I really do. But when you don't have the players that can execute that game plan, it's it's really hard to win. I hate to break it to you. It's really, really hard to win. So. I am all in. I'm all in on Matt Nagy. I am all in on uh, what the Bears coaching staff is doing. I don't think it's their problem. Quite frankly, this is entirely a player thing. I am all in on this. Okay, coaches that establish culture work in the NFL. Excuse me. Look at. I know their record stinks, but do you see how hard they play? Look at Joe Judge with the Giants. They don't have talent either, but they play hard. The Giants look like they're going to win the division. Seriously, the Giants look like they are going to win the division. Okay, look at Matt Rule with the Panthers. They play hard every single week. Ron Rivera with Washington. Have you not... look? The, the Washington, the, their team, their name is the football team. They should be the most embarrassing team in the whole in the whole league right now with how much dysfunction that they should have. Is Ron Rivera making them look like that? Absolutely not. Ron Rivera has done a phenomenal job in Washington. He flat out a couple of weeks into the NFL season said, Dwayne Haskins is not our guy. He doesn't play the way I want him to play. 
he held him accountable and out goes your job. We'll look somewhere else. I like that. I like accountability for players. It shows strength in the coaching staff. Having a guy who's all buddy-buddy with the players can sometimes be a good thing if they're also a disciplinarian. If they're not and they're just buddy-buddy with the players, it never works. It never works. Okay. I do want to remind you that uh, Guido's Gridiron Blitz is sponsored by American betting experts. Don't forget to take advantage of our special gaming offers from American betting experts. So you go to LandryFootball.com. That is LandryFootball.com. You click on the ad that's located in the upper right side of the page. You pick among the gaming sites that are legal in your state. They're not all legal everywhere. So make sure uh, that you pick the ones that are legal in your state. So BetMGM, uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, points, bet all of those, right? You sign up, and then you instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000, okay? Keep that in mind. $100 to $1,000 in an account deposit match or a risk-free bet, okay? It's that easy. Thanks to our sponsor, American Betting Experts. That's American Betting Experts. Make sure you get involved in that. It's a great offer. Um, okay. Uh Covering a lot today. Uh, really busy weekend. Uh, <laughs> you know, this one was this one was kind of funny, right? We found out on Saturday that none of the quarterbacks for the Denver Broncos would be eligible to play in their game against the Saints on Sunday. <laughs> uh oh! Look, <laughs> the Broncos were destined to lose that game anyway. The Saints are really, really good, and the Broncos are not. <laughs> They're just not. So I, I left a lot of Broncos fans and a lot of people saying, uh, guys, uh, why aren't you rescheduling our game? Hello? Because they rescheduled the Raven game, right? <laughs> right? Lamar Jackson could play. So they moved him. They moved their game. But they didn't move the Bronco game. <sighs> and, <laughs> you know, I, I I think I know really what the reason is for why they didn't do that. Because why would the NFL overcomplicate it for something that is so easily going to go one way? The Saints were going to beat the Broncos. Whether, it, whether Drew Locke was playing quarterback for the Broncos or not. The Saints were going to win that football game. And the NFL said, look, um, we're just not going to bother. You're on your own. And the Broncos were like, what? What? Wait, wait a minute. I, uh, wait, we deserve a chance to win the game, too. Yeah, but you're not. So whatever. <laughs> that was it. That's it. That's I, I'm telling you. Okay, there was there's there's this old thing. Okay, it's like the same thing with with coaches in in football teams, right? Okay, if your best player dogs it in practice, you say, uh, yeah, pick yourself up next time. Okay, come on, put show some effort. 
if the like third stringer dogs it in practice, you cut him <laughs> because he means nothing to you. Your star player means a lot to you. So you keep him around. You give him a little bit more leeway. But if it's the backup and you don't really care about him, you'll just goodbye. I'll see you next time. Or maybe not because you're cut. That's the reality of life. That's it. That's the reality, man. I, I, you know, I I do find it extremely funny that they would keep the Broncos team, uh, the Broncos game in place, and then they would move the Raven Steeler game to Tuesday because that's going to be a good one. That might end up as a Steeler loss, right? <laughs> like. I, I had a buddy text me who's a diehard Broncos fan say, you know, this is a, you know, this could possibly be, um, you know, telling of the ownership here. Well, what did he say to me? He said, um, uh, he said, honestly, this is the NFL's way of saying, hey, Denver, get your stuff together at the ownership level because your successor, Brittany Bolin, who is in charge of your COVID task force, cost you your quarterbacks for today, right? It's it's very possible that they were just like, well, listen, you didn't follow the guidelines, so have fun losing and have fun playing, you know, playing nobody at quarterback. And I feel bad for that guy, Kendall Hinton, man, because <laughs> look, a month ago he was working in sales at some point, uh, at some place. Now he's he was on the practice squad for Denver as a wide receiver, and then he comes in and he completes one pass. I feel bad. I really do. One pass. Noah Fant, 13 yards. I, I I do. I, I, I feel bad for that. But look, I got to be honest with you. I think the NFL is they're trying to set a precedent, which I like. OK, what they've done to, to restrict the covid and everything like that, for the most part, it's worked. Right. We haven't really had that many outbreaks. We haven't had uh, a serious case or anything like that. We haven't had a ton of cases in the NFL. What the NFL is doing to protect themselves from covid is really working. It really is. Um, but the, 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 and I know that, you know, it gets annoying, right? Because, you know, we just want to see the games get played and, you know, we were annoyed that this, the Steeler Raven game got moved, uh, cause we were all planning on just sitting there full of pumpkin pie, you know, watching football and, uh, like just sitting there like a bunch of potatoes, just watching football all day. And then after the Cowboy game, you had nothing to watch. So. Yeah, I get that we're annoyed, but I got to give the NFL credit. What they're doing is working. So you can't really complain about it. So if the NFL says, listen, look, Drew Locke and whoever else is in that quarterback room for Denver, they broke the rules. We're just going to, you know, Brett Rippon and and guys like that. We're just going to whatever. Okay, we're going to punish you. They they were contact traced to Jeff Driscoll, and we're just, we're not going to let you play. And you're just going to have to live with it. And the Broncos are saying, hey, what the hell? And the NFL's, you know, like, look, we don't care. Do a better job. Look, even Vic Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Broncos, said, look, I'm disappointed in my quarterback room. You know, they broke the protocol. They put the team in jeopardy. They cost us this win. And I like that, too, because, again, it's player personnel accountability. 
from a coach. And they're not afraid to say it. Vic Fangio is not a guy that likes to beat around the bush. He tells you the truth. I like that. So, um, but honestly, if you want my honest opinion on why the Broncos-Saints game was forced to get played, it was because the NFL didn't want to waste their time moving a game that was definitely going to have one outcome. The Saints were going to win that game. Didn't matter. The Saints are the best team in the NFC, and the Broncos are going to get a top 10 draft pick. Okay, it it's that simple. Now, could Denver have miraculously beaten the Saints? Yes, I suppose they could have. But let's be real. The overwhelming possibility was that the Saints were going to beat the Denver Broncos just like they did, and it wouldn't have made a difference if Drew Locke had played quarterback or not. Okay, maybe it wouldn't have been as much of a blowout as it was, but it still would have resulted in a Saints win. And the NFL was just like, look, tough. The Broncos are not relevant this year, so we're not going to bother moving your game. Do not be surprised if that happens again this year. Okay, if something, if some other mistake like this happens, like with Denver, and it happens with Jacksonville, or it happens with the Jets, or happens with, oh, I, you know, I don't know, Cincinnati. Don't be surprised if they're just like, look, you're just going to play anyway. <laughs> because, we, quite frankly, we don't really care about you this year. Sorry. We don't really care. So, don't be surprised if that happens again. I really don't think it had much to do with, we're going to punish you. I, Not really. I mean, you know, that was probably part of it, but. I think it was mostly just we really don't feel like moving your game. Okay, we're not going to jumble up the schedule for, you know, a third stringer. That's really it. Um, so this is interesting. You know, the 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 more that I looked at this, um, you know, I a lot of us at the beginning of the year, or I don't want to say a lot of us, but there were some of us at the beginning of the year. Um that looked at the Baltimore Ravens and looked at their roster and said, they could go undefeated. Like they, they, they're really good. They could go undefeated. The roster was fantastic, right? O-line Lamar Jackson coming off an MVP season. They run the ball like crazy control the clock. Their defense is fantastic. They signed, they brought in Calais Campbell. They can get after the quarterback. They drafted linebackers. They have a great, great, great secondary. They're extremely well coached. The Ravens, we all thought the Ravens were going to be ridiculously good this year. They're organizationally stable. But it turns out that the Ravens might not be the AFC North team that goes undefeated. Okay? The Steelers have a really good chance at going undefeated. Look at the rest of their schedule. So, I think they're going to beat Baltimore. If if they play tomorrow, which I think that they will, they're going to beat Baltimore in Pittsburgh. The Steelers will beat Baltimore tomorrow. If Lamar Jackson won't play, it's, prob it's probably going to be RG3 playing quarterback. The Pittsburgh Steelers will win the game tomorrow. That's 11-0. The rest of their schedule, I think they only have one game that they should be scared of that they can lose. That's week 14 at Buffalo. That is it. That's the only game where I say, yeah, they could lose that. 
Okay, so they're home against Baltimore. Next week, they're home against Washington. They'll win that game. Then week 14, they're at Buffalo. Then they go at Cincinnati. They'll win that game. Week 16, they're home against Indianapolis. Indianapolis is good, but I think Pittsburgh should and will win that game. They match up extremely well against Indy. And then week 17, they close out the season in Cleveland playing the Browns. They they could go undefeated. The worst I can see them going is 14-2. and That's it. That's the worst I can see them going. Maybe they lose at Buffalo, and maybe they lose at Cleveland to close out the season if they just mail it in. But they could go undefeated for the rest of the year. Okay? I predicted, and I usually don't gloat about when I'm right. But God, I was so right about this. Okay? And I wasn't 100% right because I didn't think they'd be this good. But when everybody was writing off Pittsburgh, I was like, why? Why would you write off the Steelers? The Steelers right now, okay, and this was in the preseason. The Steelers were the first team out of the playoffs. They had the 20th draft pick, right? They were the first team out of the playoffs. And they were playing with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges the whole year at quarterback. And they were both atrocious. We all remember watching the Steelers with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges playing quarterback. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't. They they couldn't move the football. We all thought James Conner was a bust because, listen, he's the guy they had to guard. <laughs> he wasn't getting any ground room because they weren't going to let him win the game for him. I, I mean, they couldn't get anything going. Their defense was good. But this is exactly the point. Big Ben was the quarterback upgrade that they needed. Getting Big Ben back was the most important thing. Because Big Ben, to me, is still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And he always leads potent offenses. The Steelers can always score points. They're incredible at drafting wide receivers. They have a great offensive line. They they have stability in the coaching staff, right? Mike Tomlin is the franchise's third head coach. That is it. That's it. Can you believe that? Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin. That's all they've had. That is unbelievable. Look at what their roster was. Their pass rush was deadly. TJ, uh, yeah, TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Cameron Hayward. Nasty, 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 nasty. Secondary, their defense, like, all together changed completely when they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. When the Steelers traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, it changed their whole defense. Their secondary could cover. They didn't give up much through the air with their secondary. Draft uh, drafting Devin Bush at middle linebacker has made a world of difference in their defense as well. Look at their Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, James Washington. They're loaded at wide receiver. 
They have a good old line. James Conner at running back. All the pieces were there for Pittsburgh. All they needed was the upgrade at quarterback. We should not be surprised by how good the Steelers are because imagine if Big Ben was healthy all of last year. Pittsburgh was clearly a playoff team. Like I said at the beginning of the year, I'm like, look, they needed a quarterback upgrade. They were good. They were pretty good last year without Big Ben. And it's not because the quarterback play was good. The quarterback play was bad, and the roster lifted them up. The coaching lifted them up. The Steelers are 10-0 right now, and I think they're going to be 11-0 after Tuesday night. And I think that they could go undefeated. I'm not certain that they will go undefeated, but the possibility is there. Washington, they got home oh, Tuesday against Baltimore, right? Tuesday against Baltimore at home. They're home against Washington at Buffalo, at Cincinnati, home against Indianapolis, and then at Cleveland for the Steelers to end the season. Could they lose a game? Yeah. Could they lose two games? Maybe. Okay, it isn't, it's not like their schedule's a huge cakewalk, but I fully expect them to win the next two games. So they'll be 12 and 0 after they beat Baltimore and then they beat Washington. I expect them to be 12 and 0. And then they get to play three out of the three out of their next four games could be tough. At Buffalo, home against Indy, at Cleveland. And then in the middle there, they're at Cincinnati. That's an easy win. So Look, I, I think that the possibility is there. Pittsburgh right now, you can make the case, is the best team in the NFL. Again, their record obviously shows it. I, I think, And most people have Pittsburgh and Kansas City as the two best teams. That's most people's AFC championship game, and it should be. Those are the two best teams in football right now, I think. But Pittsburgh could put themselves in the record books. Uh, okay. Before we go, we got a couple minutes left. Uh, tonight we have uh, tonight we have a game. Uh, tomorrow we have a game. Uh, Monday night football is tonight. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it's in Philadelphia. Seattle six and a half point favorites on the road. Seattle, this is a big win. This would be a big win for Seattle. Uh, put them at eight and three. Catapult themselves continuously into first place in the NFC West, which I do think that they need. Um, they need to win as many games as they can because I do think that it's important for them to get a first-round bye with how bad their roster is, uh, put a little bit less pressure on Russell Wilson. The Eagles right now are 3-6-1. and one. Listen, I think it'll be between the Eagles and the Giants for the NFC East. I do. It'll be between those two teams for the NFC East. I think the Eagles' roster is better. Um, honestly, I think that everything in every category for the Eagles is better. I think the Giants might be playing a little bit harder, but, uh, Seahawks Eagles tonight. I think Seattle wins it on the road. Uh, Russell Wilson, like I said, having a phenomenal year, Carson Wentz, 14 touchdowns, 14 interceptions on the year, a 73.3 quarterback rating. That is not good. Um, the Eagles have struggled all year. I think their roster is talented, but I, listen, I think coaching might uh, has been a little bit of a problem this year. I don't think Doug Peterson's a bad coach, but I think there's been a little bit of a problem there. 
Uh, and Seattle's just more put together. You know, Seattle ain't perfect. They're not. But with the season that Russell Wilson's having and the season that Carson Wentz is having, uh, it's really hard to pick the Eagles in this situation. Now, the Eagles have a tendency to win games that they're not supposed to win uh, at certain points. This could be one of them. If Seattle's bad roster shows a little bit too much, then it is possible that uh, the Eagles can pull this one out. But uh, I can't sit here comfortably and say that the Eagles are going to win this game. So I'm going to take Seattle on the road uh, against Philadelphia. Like I said, I I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think this game will remain relatively close for most of it. You know, I'll I'll say like 29 to 23 or something like that. I'll take the Seahawks over the Eagles. Um, so uh, give me Seattle over Philadelphia uh, in Philly. And then we have the Ravens and the Steelers on Tuesday. Uh, the Ravens are going to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. Ravens are 6-4. and four. Steelers are 10-0. and 0. Uh, The Steelers right now are 10.5-point favorites uh, at home against the Ravens. And the reason that is is because Lamar Jackson is not playing for Baltimore. Uh, if Lamar Jackson were playing, I think the line would be extremely close. Um, but I am going to take Pittsburgh in this one. Um, look, like I said, with no Lamar Jackson, I think Baltimore is in trouble. Uh, you know, RG three plays a, a ver- plays very similar. Uh, they, they plays very similar to uh, Lamar, but uh, Lamar does it better. I think he's a better thrower of the football. So, look, I, this is going to be uh, one of those where. If the Ravens can stay in the game, you can feel pretty positive about them. But it's crazy to think. A lot of people thought the Ravens were going to go undefeated. After this game, they're going to be six and five. They are going to be six and five after this week. I mean, we all thought that, I mean, there were a lot of people Super Bowl pick. I mean, seriously, they were so good. They looked so good. And now they're going to be six and five through 12 weeks. How crazy is that? So. Uh, I am going to take the Steelers in this one. Their defense is too good. Offense, um, as far as that is concerned, again, Lamar Jackson's not playing. So I, I think the Steelers are going to have the edge on both sides of the football. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a relatively pretty game at all. Uh, I think the Steelers win big. Uh, it'll be in the in the 30 to 10 sort of range, uh, something along those lines. Again, Baltimore's roster is really good. They're just – RG3 is not going to be able to carry them against this defense. So – uh, but okay. Uh, Thursday night football is going to end up getting moved for next week. Um, yeah, it's, it's getting moved to Monday. So we'll have time to discuss everything on Friday. So as for us, this is Guido's gridiron blitz on the Landry football podcast network. I'm Mike Guido here with you had plenty of stuff to cover today. Make sure you look back on it on LandryFootball.com. You can catch all of us here. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. We'll see you.